Draken with the Mind Fitness Method podcast. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about why you can't lose weight or why you haven't been able to lose weight in the past and why it is not a lost cause even if you failed before. And so uh, in doing research for this episode, you know, I I came across one article and and it just the first thing they posted in this article I think it was some blog and I don't want to name it I'm, I'm not bad mouthing people but the first statement no it was the second statement in, made uh in this blog post was absolutely wrong in my opinion and I I know where they were getting their their information and they had just interpreted the article very wrong and I, I think it re- it's really damaging. Some it just makes me realize the lack of information that is out there, or or the, how false some of the information is. And so I, that's why I just decided to kind of go down a list of my own and and present one of the things I found in this particular blog post in a correct way uh, and give you the right perspective on it. So the thing that they said in this that was absolutely wrong was they said that one of the reasons that you're not losing weight is that your genes are not working for you. Okay. And that's, that part is true, but they went on to say that your genes play a big part and that part is not true. Okay. So, the odds are extremely small that you have one of these genetic defects that would cause you to gain weight. Um, It's just not a very high probability. Now, in fact, what they found in, in, in what they were, where they were getting the information was from one of Harvard medical uh, website posts. And, what that article says is that actually it's multiple different genes that will affect your, it will affect how likely you are to gain weight. And so it's not just a single gene typically that would cause you to gain weight. But if you have a defect in certain genes, multiple certain genes, then you may have a 20 or 30% chance of greater chance than the average person becoming overweight. Okay, but that's 20 to 30% higher risk than the average person, which the overall risk is 20 to 30% higher risk of a small, a pretty small risk. And when you think about it, that this problem that we're seeing with obesity is global. It is happening all over the earth now. And so we're realizing this doesn't have so much to do with genes as it has to do with modern life. And, and so really the overall, I wanted to correct this statement by just making sure that you know that overall your genes are a small contributor to the likelihood that you would gain weight some of us more than others, but still the overall contribution is small. And it's, that's something you can overcome. It's very overcomable. 
And so uh, I, I just didn't want anybody to get the idea that uh, they're genetically doomed uh, because very, very few people are. And so some other things that, you know, were on the list that I thought were, were good news and were, were good information is that one reason you might not be losing weight is, or why you might have failed in the past is because of, of your guts, literally, your intestines. And um, they're finding out a lot about something called the microbiome. Some people, they're saying, they're, I think they call it like the seventh, uh, the seventh critical organ or something like that. And um, so the microbiome is just all of the bacteria that live in your guts. You have several different kinds. And there's, there's two particular species of bacteria that are bad, and there's two that are particularly good. And what you want is the ratios of the good ones to be really high and the ratio of the bad ones to be low. And they're, they're finding out that, you know, when you see families, entire families, that everyone in the family is overweight, and it used to be that we were attributing this to their genetics. And maybe it was in some of those families, but much more likely it's that they're eating the same foods which causes the bad bacteria species to grow more and the good bacteria species not to thrive so much, and it makes them hungrier. That's the deal. So when you have more of the bad and less of the good, you get hungrier, you eat more, and vice versa. So you may not have been feeding your gut what it needs to heal and to also grow up your good bacteria so that you become less hungry. And one way you can do that to help those, those good bacteria grow is feed them fiber. They need that. And one way to do that is with prebiotics. You can get uh, Benefiber. Benefiber is you know, a soluble fiber and you can dissolve it in a glass of water and you can't taste it. It's, you know, a lot of people are turned off by high fiber foods and I get that. I mean, they're not particularly savory or sexy or great, but if you give yourself what I do every morning is I put two tablespoons. Now on the bottle, it says, I think two teaspoons or something like that. I put two tablespoons of Benefiber into my protein shake and I drink that. And um, sometimes I have two more tablespoons in the afternoon. Now you're gonna notice, you're, you know, those first few doses might rattle the cage a little bit. <laughs> you gotta get used to it. Uh, but I'm telling you, like I say, in the old days, a long time ago, you know, thousand, two thousand years ago, humans were taking in way more fiber because we didn't have all these processed, you know, terrible foods that we eat now in mass. So people were taking in 40 grams of fiber a day. Many people were. And now we're lucky if we take in 15 grams. So what you want to do is try to pump up your fiber as close to 40 grams a day as you can. And uh, you'll start to see that you're what will happen on the inside you won't see it but what will happen on the inside is those good bacteria start to flourish and it will 
they'll start to outrank the bad bacteria. You'll become less hungry. It heals your gut. Um, next, I, I, I really beat that one to death, but let's go to the next thing. Postmenopausal, you know, symptoms. The bottom line is, that, you know, as you get to the postmenopausal phase, uh, then you may see some weight gain. And, and during menopause, sometimes there can be a surge of weight gain. It's really frustrating. Um, and uh, my sister was going through this, and it was really driving her insane. But let me just tell you, it broke eventually, and she recovered, and she beat it back down. But uh, So don't get too discouraged. Realize that that's going to be something that's going to, if you're in that uh, age group, it may uh, really drive you nuts seeing that happen, but realize that there very well is a, a light at the end of the tunnel uh, of the weight gain caused by menopause. And for men, you know, if your testosterone is too low, as you, you know, as you're getting older, your testosterone levels are dropping. I found that mine was actually clinically low and I am now on testosterone replacement because of it. And, uh, and it helps. It sure does. Another thing is underestimating your portions. You underestimate how much food. And I'll tell you, humans are really bad about figuring out how much food they are eating. And they, they've done multiple studies looking at seeing how accurate people are at guessing how much food they're eating. And they, they totally underestimate it. Totally. And so that's why in all of these programs, they always advise you to use measuring cups, you know, when you're doing your own meal preps. Um, there's guidelines to figure out how much is approximately a cup, you know, three ounces of meat and all that stuff. Still, it's not that great, but in my opinion, uh, but um, the best way to really know what your portions are is to literally measure them and just make that part of your habit, you know. Don't you may find it to be troublesome in the beginning, but it because if you can make it your second nature to do that, and really what I like to call it is make it your first nature. I don't know why they always call it second nature. You want to make it your first nature to measure your food, okay? Not your second nature. Next is you overestimate your calorie burn from the exercise you're doing. And I've talked about this before in one of the previous episodes is licensing bias. You know, you give yourself a license to eat more. You run on the treadmill for 30 minutes. You burn maybe, what, 250, 350 calories. And then you think, oh, you know what? I worked out today at lunchtime, so I can eat a little more. So you end up eating maybe, you know, maybe drink a milkshake you know, you take in, you know, 350 calories right there. You just wiped out everything you burned off on the treadmill. Then you get to dinner time. You go, oh, I worked out this morning. I can have, you know, a few more cookies. You know, you end up eating another 350 or 400 calories worth of cookies. And now you're in, in the weight gain mode again. <laughs> so, that's another thing is thinking mathematically as you're doing this. You want to start... Um, basically you thinking mathematically counting the calories and a lot of people don't like the idea of counting calories and I've been hearing about people you know being triggered by numbers 
And I understand the, the anxiety there, but realize numbers give you control. They give you perspective. And I think it would just take some counseling on that to get folks who may have anxiety pertaining to numbers, numbers on the scale, numbers on calories and whatnot, to give you a different perspective, help you to flip your perception about numbers over so that you realize these are levers that give you control of your situation. They're not something that you're that are running away from you out of control, you see. So and and I don't think that it's necessary to necessarily how many times am I going to say necessary? I don't think it's necessary to count calories every single day. Maybe you do it for a week once every month or two, just to get back in check with yourself. If you're not someone who is doing meal preps where you already know how much calories you're taking in, if you're someone that's guesstimating as we do terribly, then it's a good idea to get back in touch with, you know, how many calories you're eating per day and to then go ahead and count the calories for a week or so. And it's so easy on my fitness pal. It's really, and when you think about it, you're only eating three to five times per day. So it's three to five times that you have to click that little thing on my fitness pal and either scan it in. It's so easy now that you, you just scan it in the thing counts them up for you, you know, and that's it. It's ne never been so easy to count calories. So um, bother to do it once in a while. The other thing they mentioned that was a good thing to mention was uh, that it could be the medications that you're on. There's a number of medications that can cause weight gain or prevent weight loss. Steroids is one. Uh, if you happen to be on steroids for whatever reason, if you have lung issues, joint issues, uh, things like uh, prednisone can cause weight gain, cause you to hang on to uh, water a lot. You, you do a lot of water retention on steroids. Antihistamines like Zyrtec, Allegra, uh, seizure medications, Lyrica, and Gabapentin, also known as uh, Neurontin. Uh, and, and by the way, th both of those medicines are often used for pain as well, uh, and they can cause weight gain. Beta blockers, you know, blood pressure medicines, atenolol, metoprolol, uh, antidepressant medications like uh, the SSRIs, things like Paxil, Prozac, and Zoloft. Sometimes Elevil and the you know the tricyclic antidepressants, and the MAOI, you know, monoamine oxidase inhibitors like Nardil, N-A-R-D-I-L, um, and then diabetes medications, Glynase. Insulin itself can cause um, uh, weight gain, and then antipsychotics. Zyprexa, Giadon, Latuda, uh, those medicines can cause weight gain or prevent weight loss. So going back to this original thing, the, to the top of the list here, it is not a lost cause for you to attempt losing weight again. Likely one of the biggest reasons why you didn't lose weight is you didn't persist long enough. And that is probably the reason that 99% of people don't lose weight. Not a genetic defect that causes weight gain or preventing weight loss, uh, but 
most likely you did not persist long enough, which is the, you know, the focus of what we do at the mind fitness method in, uh, in the evolve program. The mind fitness method is my company and the evolve program is our comprehensive program, which focuses on helping you sustain these habits for the long run. It is the mental game of weight loss. And that is, that is going to be the fix in this coming, you know, decade in the coming century uh, that's going to fix this problem that we have a global problem of obesity uh, because clearly it isn't about genetics or, or these other things uh, it is about adapting to modern life and we're going to have to learn to work around that uh, if if kids ages two to five years old are the fastest growing demographic of new obese patients, then you know this doesn't have to do with genetics. This has to do with something else. It is people are not adapting to modern life. We're not walking as much and we're losing our grit, you know, our ability to tolerate uh, discomfort. In fact, there was a doctor, uh, doctor, uh, what is her name? Duckworth. Uh, I think her name is Angela Duckworth. She um, gave a speech at one of the more recent uh, uh, meetings of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons and just amazing research that she was doing on what she calls grit. You know, your, your ability to grit it out and stick with something and, you know, uh, overcome adversity. And she is, she was studying people that had gone through, uh, through, I think it was either the Citadel or, um, one of the military colleges where they have this terrible hell month where they make these kids as they go into their first year of college, they will, you know, and, the, and all these people that get into this college are like top of their class, great athletes, like superhuman people. And yet only 15% of them will finish college at the fourth in, at this school at the fourth year because um, they are just put through the ringer, you know. And, um, and so what, they, what she was doing was figuring out why, what made that 15% so gritty, you know, what is it that makes them that way? And, and then she began to expand her research and she was finding that, you know, going, you know, the grittiest generation that's alive still today are the ones that came up through the Great Depression. You know, they had to deal with a lot of adversity at that time. And but fortunately, she says that you can grow your grit. You can become more gritty and tough. And uh, so that's that's a redeeming thing about us as humans that we can. So. The bottom line is do not lose hope and do not quit. You know, keep going and until you find the answer that works for you. Well, I hope you found that helpful. And remember, if you are ready to make a lasting change in your life, it is a mental game. And that's exactly what we do at Mind Fitness Method. Come to the website at www.ericaken. That's E R I C. A-K-I-N-M-D.com and learn about the Evolve program. And I have a free master class there you could sign up for. And I've been working on a sign-off. I'm sure that you could tell that I 
didn't really have one prepared for you before, so here it is. Remember, it is your brain that maintains the change. See you next time.